Welcome to DP City Church Podcast. Connect, grow, serve. This is really going to be interesting, to say the least, and informative. And so we want to open a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight to share with one another about a very complicated and difficult issue that causes so much pain and so much suffering that our heart is to love and to care for and to share with people and to be informed. Help us, Holy Spirit, as we talk about a very difficult subject in the grace and love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on my right is Enrique. Enrique, welcome, Enrique. Okay. And you all know Pastor Chris, Bible Fellowship Church. And... Uh, what we're going to do tonight is um, we're going to share in a conversational environment. We have some pre-assigned questions. You've submitted questions. We're going to go through some questions. We're not going to take anything from the floor because we already have so much to cover. So uh, we'll be here after it's over. If you have any questions you want to ask um, of Enrique or Pastor Chris or myself. And so how can we inform ourselves and one another so that we can address this very complicated issue and do it in love and do it in grace and do it in mercy. mercy. So Enrique, I know that uh, you came all the way from Tula Vista. Man, that was a long drive, brother. That was a long drive. Um, But uh, I know that you have a very, very positive and constructive and life-changing testimony about how you grew up. And um, we're going to let you start tonight with your testimony and kind of open up the door so that we can bring this into a conversation and help inform the people about what's going on. Because there is an agenda in America that must be addressed. And the only ones that are going to address it, that have the power and the authority to address it, is the church. And it's time for the church in America to stand up, speak in love, and be informed with love and grace and mercy. So why don't you share and welcome Enrique. Proud of you, brother. Those are bright. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Uh, First of all, thank you, Pastor, for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, I don't take this lightly. Uh, I know this is this is God opening the doors. Um, My my life has been right now to this point a healing in process, but for so long I actually tried to open the doors myself to share my testimony, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were not opening. And then God just said, just, just heal. So from there, now I see the hand of God opening up. Right. And I want to, before I start sharing, I want to tell you guys, listen to my testimony. And if you know someone or maybe yourself is struggling with your identity, take my testimony and let it be a prophetic word for you. Let it be a prophetic word to what you're going through or someone you know it's going through. So I'm a third-generation Christian. So my grandfather was a pastor of the church, and then my parents were the worship leaders. So I was born in church. Um, But growing up, uh, it was a little different because... So I grew up in Mexico, and my dad would go out during the week, get drunk... And then wake us in the middle of the night, 
to my sister and I, and then he will start telling, well, tell your mom all these degrading things. Like at the age of four, five, six. So we will do that because that was my dad, even though we didn't want to do it. Now, at the age of six, I was introduced to porn for the very first time by a, a neighborhood friend. And to me, I was like, oh, that has, like, nothing to do. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But spiritually speaking, from that moment on, I can say that's when my life actually started. Because that's what I remember from age six and on. And I always felt that there was such a presence behind me that, like, literally I would be walking and it's like, like what's that? And now I recognize the spiritual war, war, world, the spiritual world and how things start to attach to ourselves either through generations or a door that we opened back then it was a door that I opened when, when I was six but everything started to change when I was around 11 and on I started to realize that I liked boys there was something different and I started to act different that in my mind, I was like, why am I like this? Am I the only one who likes boys? What, why, why, what's going on? And my parents started to catch up to that and started to notice. So the only way that they were able to tell me what I was doing wrong, it was through the Bible. But the Bible says that we have to speak the truth in love. So what they were doing, they were telling me the truth with no love. So I knew all the scriptures from Romans, I knew all the scriptures saying, you're going to go to hell, and God hates homosexuals, and God hates gays, and you're, you have to change. You have to, you and you. I had to, so that put pressure in my life as a boy, as a teenager. So when I grew up, when, when I was around 8, 9, 10, I would go into my aunt's closet, I would wear her dresses, her, her skirts, her jewelry, and my mom busted me so many times. She's like, boys don't do that. Boys don't, I mean, even, I know that my parents meant good at that time, but everything that I knew was the hate of God and how God hated everything about me. It's like, and act straight, and don't do this. Don't do your hand like this. Don't walk like that. So it's like, am I, do, am I okay? Because <laughs> everything that I was doing, it was like wrong. To top that off, like, I like dancing, I like acting, I, being, I like being on stage. But I couldn't do all that because all of that was from the devil. So God gave me a, a talent to be on stage, to entertain, to do all these things. And I couldn't do all those things. And what happens when God gives you a talent and the church tells you no, you better be assured that the enemy will come and twist that talent. So at the age of 15, I started in San Diego. There's a place called Hillcrest, and there's where all the gay people go. And it's funny how the enemy will put this conversation, because that was a side conversation that I heard from a person that it was, like, far away from me. And I was like, what? There's gay people? There's more people like me? At the age of 15, I went for the first time. I met a guy way older than me as I was just walking 
And it's like, it reminds me of the story of Jonah. When he ran, the Bible says, when Jonah ran from God, there was a boat waiting for him. And then he went, and there was, there was always something. The enemy will always have a vessel for you, a boat, a ship, something for you to run the other direction. So I went to Hillcrest for the first time. I met this older gentleman. I had my first encounter with the men. We lasted a relationship of two years and a half. Ironically, when I was 15, he was 39. He was the same age as my dad. So in reality, me and my dad had no relationship whatsoever. So I was seeking for the approval. My dad was there physically, but not spiritually. I couldn't go to my dad and say, hey, dad, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Because the only thing that I have known, especially from my father, is that I needed to be a manly man. I needed to have a mustache. I needed to do all these things in order to be a man. So at the age of 19, move out of my parents' house because I wanted to live my truth. And there's a difference between living my truth and living God's truth. So many people, even till this day, that come, people who I knew from the past that would say, well, you cannot suppress who you are. You have to live your truth. Well, it was my truth that led me to my addictions. It was my truth that led me to wanting to commit suicide. It was my truth that led me to my mess. So now I rather live God's truth than my truth. Come on. So at the age of 21, again, there was another boat waiting for me. So I started to get to know people who were performing in bars. Uh, it was like a bunch of drag queens. And I was like, oh, I like this. I like being on stage. I like performing. So I started to create a name for myself. I started what I call to create an alter ego. So my name was, my stage name was Kalani. People knew Kalani people. And what's funny is that that identity started to grow so much that I will be at the bars, I'll be at the clubs, and people will call me Enrique, and I will not even listen. Kalani, huh? So my identity as a man was getting lost. So there was a time that when I was like about 25, 26, I started to think, I was like, you know what? Maybe I am transgender. Maybe I should be a girl. Maybe I should, maybe. And I started to think, no, that's not who I am. But it was not really, that's not who I am. It was mostly because I had Christian parents that I did not want it to hurt them. Because even though I knew that I knew that I knew what I was doing was going against the word of God, but I also knew that what I was doing, it was wrong. In my heart, because that's what my parents showed me when I was little. And the thing with my life, what happened at the end how everything started to catch up from the first time that I saw porn. And porn became so heavily in my life that porn, as any other sin, will satisfy you one day, will not satisfy you tomorrow. What you entertain today will not entertain you tomorrow. So the deeper that I got, the deeper that I got into porn, the deeper that I got into being so promiscuous, I will go home, go out, wake up. Who are you? I don't know. Well, let's do it again tomorrow. 
I started to do so many things that at the end of my life, the porn that I was watching, the people that I was hanging out with, I got to the point that I was like, what am I doing? I was like, God, why? Why me? This I've always had asked God, why am I gay? Why am I like this? This uh, is growing up, me being a child, being a teenager. God, why am I gay? Why am I why not my cousin? Why not my neighbor? Why why me? So it was August 5th, 2015, that of a ripple effect of decisions that I made in my life of things that I was watching, things that I was doing, God opened my eyes and it was like a veil came out of my eyes. And I was like, what am I watching? And I got on my knees. That was the first time that I got on my knees. And I said, God, why me? And that was the first time I heard the voice of God said, because your life is going to be a testimony. I have used, I have, I remember so clear. He said, I have allowed all of this to happen because I'm going to use you. That was the first time God answered my wife. Now, I wish I can say that I came back to God because a lot of times I pray. I was like, God, God, take the gay away. I'll pray the gay away. Take it away. And God didn't. So I was like, well, God is not listening, so might as well live my life. But a lot of times, God will take something right away. But a lot of times, he won't. And we have to walk it out. I started to get to church, to awaken church, my current church. And I started to get a, to know a God who loved me, a God who cared for me. I was like, wow, what's... I don't know this God. But I started to surrender everything to God. Now, I want to say the importance of a, a, a voice of a parent in a kid's life. Because now I look back at the year-old boy, eight-year-old boy, who was wearing dresses. And what if my mom would have walked into the room and said, Mijo, you're a girl. You know what? Let's get you through blockers. Let's get you through this. Right now would have been a girl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm so glad that my parents never agree with the lie of the enemy. Because right now, I would have been sitting here, maybe with a bunch of surgery, maybe like... I. I went back to be, because I've known so many people, I've heard so many testimonies of people who go, they get their sex changed, they come back, and what they were looking for, it was not there. Because everything was an outside, everything was a facade. There were so many things that through these six years, God has been able to heal me, God has been able to restore me. I mean, I didn't even know I had the spirit of suicide until one day we were in deliverance and a pastor calls it out. I was like, ruh, ruh. And it, I was like, I did not even knew I had that because I never attempt to commit suicide, but there was always a thought. If you kill yourself, things are going to be better. If you killed yourself, things are going to be fine. And before I pass the mic, I, I, I want to close how God showed me in the Bible that. 
Because when I came to church, I always said, God, I'm going to prove those Christians that being okay is gay. And the Bible has been translated so many times, and the word gay did not even exist, and, and I can be gay. And so now when people ask me, because it's the same question that I asked when I found my church. And ironically, I found the church in an, through an Instagram post of, through a guy that I met 10 years at a club before he was even saved. And I met him through another friend that I had met two years before. So 12 years before, God was putting everything together for that moment for me to see Awakened Church and said, what's that? I want that. Because God lives outside of time. So to me, I was like, I I like this, but uh, I don't know. I was like, there's... They do this, and then they do that, and they, they, I don't know, because I grew up in really legalistic. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit never showed up, because they did not allow him to, to go. That'll preach. <laughs> it was a, yeah, we believe in all the gifts, but don't speak in tongues, because that's, unless there's an interpreter. Well, but I'm talking to God. And, and, and women don't preach, and pr- women don't speak at nowhere, and people... If I'm at my, at my parents' house, there has to be a voice of a father and a voice of a mother. So I started to, to get to know a God that I was like, wow, you're so different. But the first question that I asked this guy was, is this a gay-friendly church? Meaning, can I still do my things and no one's going to tell me anything? That's what it means when people, is this a gay-friendly church? That means, can I still go sleep around? Can I live my gay life? And no one can say anything. And it took the guy about two weeks to reply. (laughs) And now I understand because I do the same thing. (laughs) He said, just come and check it out. I was like, okay. Because ironically, I got saved in the same church that I ran out because I was so offended because my uncle talked about gay marriage and that it passed. And he went, I left that church. It was like in May 2015, like about three months before coming back to God. How dare you as a pastor say what gay people want? We only want the rights. We only want to get married. I was so pissed. Well, ironically, like about four months later, that's where I was going to be saved. (laughs) So... So just to tie it all out, God has a plan for everyone. I came to this church, and I was like, okay, well, this is different. But I felt the love of God. I felt that God loved me. I felt loved by the people. Mm-hmm. No one ever, even in my walk, no one ever asked me, are you gay? Are you? Because sometimes people come into church, and that's the first thing. Oh, have you been in jail? Oh my God, yeah. Like, and you want to tell everyone? No. <laughs> God allowed everything to happen. Into this is how beautiful God is. I was in church. I got baptized. I went to our men's conference, and for a whole year, I was still doing that, and I was still performing out in the clubs. And nobody knew. Nobody knew. 
and even my my family, my siblings asked me, "Are you gonna stop doing shows?" I was like, "Well, no, because it's it's an income. I mean, going home with five hundred dollars a night, that's a good income." <laughs> so I was like, "No, it's it's a job." But I also asked God, "God, when you're ready, okay, let's leave it." So a whole year went by until I felt the tug in the Holy the, of the Holy Spirit said, it, it, "It's time," because He was healing other areas. So the last night before the show, before my last show, I said, God, I'm going to stop doing this. But you are going to have to take the desire away from me because I love being on stage. I love performing. I love doing all these things that you gave me. So you are going to have to replace that. The last night I was driving home and I was like, I am not going to miss this. Until this day, it has been five years. Acquaintances that I still talk to now and then, they're like, do you miss it? I was like, ah, no. <laughs> but God took me through a healing. I did not step on, on a platform for like about three years. And now our church, it's, we do our, our Easter productions, our Christmas productions. Now God gave me back the platform, gave me back the microphone. And now I use it for him. And now I see that I had a gift. I was just using it the wrong way. Now I know who I am, and people still come and say, well, are you, so that means, like, you, you are not gay. You're like, you know what, I, my de- it's my decision to say no to my old temptations. Because the enemy is going to come and tempt you. Maybe it's not your sexuality. Maybe it's with uh, looking at someone. Maybe it's, like, to, being angry. It has to be our decision as Christians and say, I'm not going to be that anymore. That's not who I am. Something that I just learned now closing, just last week through a pastor, he said, when we identify, when we say, I am gay, I am transgender, we have to listen to our language because the Bible says on the Ten Commandments, one of them, it says, do not use the word, the name of the Lord in vain. Now, we look at that and it's like, oh, we use the name of like, oh, damn it. Oh, this. And we put the name of God. That's what we think using the name of the Lord in vain is. But when we look at the Old Testament and God introduces himself to Moses, that is the only time God uses his name. The other one is El Shaddai, the, uh, or the provider, all these characteristics of God. But the only time God uses his name is when Moses says, okay, I'm going to go into Egypt and I'm going to free them, but who do I tell them sent me? And he said, tell them, I am sent me, sent you. So, What is the name of God? I am. So when I say I am gay, I'm using the name of the Lord in vain because I am a child of God. You know what Lady Gaga says? I was born this way, but my Bible says I was born again. So doesn't matter what we're struggling with. If there is hope for me that I was so far and I wanted nothing to do with God... There's hope for anybody. <laughs> That's great. Come on, give the Lord a...
And that was, uh, I told the pastor, I have a PG, Raider R, and Raider X. That was like the PG version. Yeah, that's the PG. Yeah, we're going to keep, keep it the PG for yeah. now. Well, uh, before we go to Chris, uh, you know, I want to say that uh, hearing from the inside how uh, be raised in a Christian home and Christians not understanding how to apply their faith to a very difficult issue. We're in a world right now as Christians that we must learn about our faith and how to communicate it in any given situation. What more classic example could we have? It's not just a gay lifestyle or, you know, and uh, the gender confusion that's going on in America because much of the church is remaining confused about the very things you just shared. Not knowing as parents how to identify. One of the reasons we, we said, and we talked, Chris, how can we help parents begin to identify a problem in their children, no matter what the age is, if your parents would have known what you know now, you wouldn't have gone the way you went. They would have had a means of, of intervening. But right now, so many parents are unaware of the difficulties of these issues and what's going on, much less what's going on in America. And Pastor Chris is going to talk about that. The whole agenda to shift everything to the blind side or to the dark side. That was the problem. You brought up something I want to make sure I hit before Chris takes it. Um, is that you brought up the spiritual side of it. Because uh, homosexuality... Any kind of sin has a spiritual element to it. it. Adultery has the same spiritual element that homosexuality has, or transgenderism. It's the same spirit. It's an evil spirit. There's a spiritual entity behind that. And it doesn't mean the person is possessed, even though it certainly can. And I'm sure there were times when you felt something was controlling you from the inside out. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. when you were freed... It's... I look, I mean, I'm so grateful that I am part of a church that go after the spiritual. Because if we are in a church that only, it's like, okay, God transform you, now you're straight. Oh, you're not going to struggle with that. Well, there's still a spiritual side to it where spirit, soul, and mind, and body, sorry. We have to heal every single part of it. Right. Because as we were uh, talking earlier, a lot of people, what they don't realize is that when a child starts thinking, maybe I am a girl, maybe I am transgender, maybe I am this, maybe I am that. When Eve took from the fruit, and gave to Adam. And they saw that they were naked. And God came and said, where are you at? And Adam said, oh, we hid because we were naked. And the first thing that God asked him is, who told you? Who told you you were naked? So if I'm struggling with this sexuality and I'm a seven-year-old boy, who told you? Was it Disney Channel? Was it Netflix? That'll preach. <laughs> and it's funny because now I look back. I, I'm not saying that I'm all holy, holy. But when I watch TV, especially movies, my eyes are spiritually aware that the other day I was watching a movie. It was a Disney movie with my parents. 
No, it was not a Disney movie. It was a movie on Netflix, but it was a kids movie. And then it was like, there was so much chaos going on because it was like an earthquake or something like that. And then in the back, and it was like a really quick scene. It was two guys holding hands, and then the little girl was like, Daddies, what happened? It's like, oh, we'll talk to you later. It was really subtle. So did you, I told my parents, did you see that? They're like, what? I had to rewind it like four times, and they didn't see it until I told them. But the thing is, when you have been delivered from something, you're going to recognize that spirit. If it's suicide, if it's adultery, if it's something to me, I've always heard that. And I was like, wow, you're going to see like a monster like behind. (laughs) No, you're just going to start now when people are talking and it's like, you know what? I just woke up and I I just feel like, you know what? Like, I just don't want to get up and like, I just feel like I shouldn't even be here and stuff like that. I was like, that's the spirit of suicide. Yeah. But a lot of times it's like, oh, no, you know what? Just take your vitamins. No. <laughs> no. Look at behind. I always say the, the natural is so real, but the spiritual is more real than you and me sitting here right now. That's right. Come on. That's good. Sorry, I can go on and on. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's, and that's what this is all about. You know, that's why it's happening here in the church, and that's why the church in America has to catch up with what's going on not just in terms of gender issues, but spiritual issues. So now let's flip to the next side of this issue and about how we become socially, not just politically, but socially aware and aware of the environment that we're living in, that our children are growing up in, that my grandchildren, I'm thankful that they have a private school they can go to. But in the process of this issue, how many parents are dealing with the fact that their children are going to the public school system and they're being indoctrinated. They're being indoctrinated and schooled and trained and led and facilitated. And Pastor Chris, you probably want to pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. So, um, gosh, how do I follow Enrique? Boy. (laughs) Glad Um, you, not me. I know, right? Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks to Pastor Bob. I mean, it takes tremendous courage to host an event like this. And... um, and so we, we really appreciate you doing that, Bob, today and giving, giving this issue a voice because it's such an important issue. Um, and, you know, I, I'm referring to this as a sexual revolution. You know, if you lived, this is before my generation, by the way, but if you lived back in the 60s, um, you experienced a sexual revolution, okay? Um, th- this is also a sexual revolution, but in, in a completely different way. Um, our culture, and I, I'm going to just say the West in general, because uh, I think that encompasses Europe and, and just uh, the developed countries of the West, um, we, we are undergoing a, a, a sexual revolution where the culture is redefining um, sex, it's redefining relationships, it's redefining what a marriage is, um, it's redefining sexuality in and of itself. And not only that, but our children are being sexualized intentionally um, at, at very young ages. Um, in fact, uh, some of you are aware of what's taking place in Florida right now. It's kind of the hot topic uh, that's in the news right now. But um, Disney's uh, under the gun because the executives of Walt Disney came out in a, against a bill that was just signed by Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. It was a, it's the parental rights bill. And the parental rights bill, if they had actually read it, uh, which I don't think the executives did, I think they have now at this point, by the way, 
and I really believe, I'm, I'm going to say this, because I've been reading about this quite a bit over the last few weeks, I think the CEO of Disney is going to be asked to resign over this issue. Um, I, I don't see any good way for Disney to get out of this uh, and save face. They've gotten themselves into a mess. And uh, because if you read the parent rights bill in Florida, basically what it says is, is it says, just summarizing it, that um, they have removed um, sex education for kindergartners through third grade, okay? So, uh, yeah, so what the bill says, it says that teachers in public education cannot uh, educate or bring into the curriculum sex education for kindergartners through third grade, which, by the way, if you teach or have a child that age, that's about five years old through eight years old. Um, And so uh, I don't think the executives of Disney read that before they came out against it because uh, there are a lot of individuals, even in the LGBTQ community, that have come out in, in support of the parental rights bill in Florida. But that's just one example of what is happening in our culture and sort of the, the things that our children are facing. Um, and we live in California, just so you know. I don't know if you're aware of that. But, um, but California is the, the most... I mean, I, I mean, there's some other states that are trying to, to win this competition, but California, I think, is winning. We're the most liberal uh, state in the United States when it comes to sex education uh, when it comes to the sexualizing of, of our children. And, uh, and there are examples just all over the place without getting into strong uh, all the details behind it. But I will tell you this, that um, there are bills that have been passed in California that, uh, that make it illegal uh, for a school district to discourage a child from changing their gender. Um, it's against the law. So if the district, and, uh, and just a little background on myself, I, 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 um, I'm a school psychologist and a pastor. I worked for the Hemet Unified School District for, for four years, just up until June of this last year, uh, and I transitioned into the church full-time, and, um, and uh, I spent some time in Temecula as well, and I've worked with a lot of individuals in the mental health industry. I've worked with a lot of fellow school psychologists and counselors, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and a lot of conservative people in that arena, by the way, that are having some tremendous challenges navigating these laws and these rules. Um, and so uh, there is a fear that exists among uh, school district employees, especially if they're conservative-minded, uh, because they don't know how to handle these issues. And so the best way to handle it is to ignore it. Uh, or, uh, on the flip side of that, there are activists... Um, therapists that are actually encouraging students to change their, their genders. By the way, it is also um, encouraged, and, and the law supports this, that if a child comes to the school counselor and says, uh, I want to change my gender, uh, the school counselor has no obligation under the law to inform the parents about that whatsoever. Uh, there's a lawsuit that's pending right now in Los Angeles, uh, and without getting into all the details, you can Google this, um, but there is a mom who has sued um, uh, Los Angeles County and the, the health department there uh, over an issue that took place with, her, with, with this mother's daughter. Uh, this was a, she was a 15-year-old girl when, uh, when the school district 
came along and was coaching her to change her gender. She changed her name twice. Um, some of her friends and her friend's parents encouraged her to actually go to Child Protective Services and tell them that her mom was being abusive because she wouldn't allow her to change her gender. So CPS came, removed her from the home uh, on the grounds that the mother was abusive because she wasn't allowing their daughter to change her gender. Um, So she was placed into a foster home. Uh, While in that foster home, she started undergoing hormone therapy treatments and a sex change um, regimen. Um, and two years later, she, um, she lays down in front of a train and commits suicide. Um, and the mom, the mom has sued the school district, uh, is suing the school district. She's suing the Department of Health. She's suing, various, she's suing Child Protective Services. Uh, she's, she's suggesting that they contributed to the mental health issues of the child um, that did not fix her problems, by the way. And, I, and, and I'd like to actually ask Enrique this question because I think he would answer this best. But from my experience working with students uh, who are struggling with gender identity is that there is a, uh, a correlation between students who are struggling with gender and mental health issues. And in other words, all the students that I have met with and have, uh, that I, I've sat down with and all of my colleagues, I ask them all these same questions. Are these children struggling with depression or anxiety? Do they have diagnoses uh, from a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Are they being medicated? All, all of them, every single child I've met, has some sort of a comorbidity that we would call um, dealing with a mental health disorder. They all struggle with depression. They're all struggling with anxiety. You mentioned the spirit of suicide. All of them that I've met are cutters, self, they're engaging in self-harm or in suicidal ideation uh, type behaviors. Many of them have attempted suicide. Uh, many of them, unfortunately, have actually killed themselves, as is the case with this girl in Los Angeles. Um, so, en- Enrique, I've just got a question for you, and I think it would be helpful. You, I, we kind of talked about this before, but um, is there, from your perspective, sort of an element, uh, an, a mental health component to this issue see when again I always go back to the spiritual because that's the root of it and a lot of like you said all these people who sadly a, a boy or girl who goes to their counselor and it's like oh I'm struggling with this they want to medicate a demon or spirit when you cannot medicate the spirit you have to cast out the spirit. In a lot of these times, this child, this children, child, children, sorry, I'm ESL, so sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, these kids, uh, I don't know the percentage, but it's a high percentage that something dramatic happened in their life that it was never addressed. Either sexual abuse, verbal abuse, something happened. This is the way God showed it to me. Because people will ask me, and it's funny because my mom just asked me that question again, like two weeks ago when I was at her house. And it's a question that a lot of people ask. And they say, well, were they born that way? So a lot of people say, I'm gay because that's how I was born. And I've always said that. To me, it's 
uh, to rephrase that, it's that's all I've known. I only knew that I liked boys. That's it. But the way God showed it to me is that if a two-year-old boy is walking and he falls and he hurts his leg and it breaks his leg, the parents never take this kid to the doctor, never take this kid to therapy. They never. So the kid grows up with a limp. Now, he does not remember the accident. And people are going to, when he's 20 years old, oh, what happened? I was born this way. Were you born this way? Or something dramatic happened to you that your parents never addressed and your parents never took you. So to you, that limp, it's all you knew all your life. So to me, I always said, I was born this way. When I didn't realize that the first time that I was at porn when I was six affected who I was, my dad waking up in the middle of the night telling us, tell your mom that she's this, this. And I started to change the narrative of who women, who a woman was. I was like, well, if a woman is this, 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 and that, I don't want to be with a woman. It starts messing up with a child's identity. That now I look back and everything was spiritual. Now, not to, uh, to add to that, when I was from the age of 9 to the age of 13, I wanted to be raped. Why? Then I realized that at that age, my dad was raped. My grandpa was raped. And through a deliverance, God showed me that my great-grandfather was raped. So that would, that would certainly contribute to a mental health issue. So if my yeah. parents yeah. would have said... You know what? When, my, when I was wearing dresses at eight years old, then my mom would have said, Mijo, you're a transgender. You're a girl. No, 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 no. What, who told you? What happened? But sadly, I mean, and I'm sure you, you can agree, is that right now in the medical field, the ones who are supposed to tell you and get inner healing from, they said, no, 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 don't look at that. Look at these medications because that's where my wealth is going to come from. Do you know how much each medication for a transgender is with our insurance? It's about two, three thousand dollars a pill. That is why they're pushing. Do you think they really care about your kid? No, I care about my wallet. That's what they care. Well, and one of the things that they, that the, one of the lies that's, that I've noticed that's being propagated out there, excuse me, going back to the mental health piece, is that they're telling these children, you know, you're depressed, you have anxiety, you have all these issues. What's going to solve this is if you change your gender. Right. And so, uh, so that's, that's how they're coaching children today. Uh, just change your gender, we'll, change your name. We'll, you know, we'll start calling you by a different gender, and, and then ultimately we're going we're gonna to start introducing these hormone therapy treatments yeah. so we can change you biologically if, if possible, uh, which, by the way, never happens completely. Uh, you can't completely change somebody biologically. You just kind of mess them up. Yeah. Um, and, well, and you, uh, can't, you can't fix a psychological issue right, biologically. Right, that's right. And so these, these young people, they buy into this, okay? They're, they're sold this bill of goods. And so they change their gender, and they're celebrated when they do, by the way. This is the other component that we're seeing in the world today, 
you are now a hero if you change your gender. And so uh, there's, this hero, there's this hero component to it. And by, what child does not want to be a hero, by the way? Um, and so the, they're being pulled into this. Um, and there's this old leadership uh, quote out there that has floated around for a long time. And, and it's simply this, and, and it applies in the world of leadership, that if what you celebrate, you replicate. Okay? And what you celebrate, you replicate. All right. So if you're running a company or a business, uh, this applies to you. All right. It applies in the home, too, by the way. Uh, what you celebrate, you replicate. But this is this is being applied on a on a on a grand scale um, across our nation in the Western world as we celebrate transgenderism, as we celebrate as a society, the LGBTQ IA, I don't even know what other symbols there are. Well, the alphabet's the, coming. The, yeah, yeah, I, I can't keep up with it, Enrique. <laughs> I think uh, with me so, it was LGBTQ, and then when I left, I think they left, they added a plus. That's why I left. There's a plus. I don't know what's the rest. Well, they've added an IA now. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, uh, anyway, so, yeah, so, but that's the lie. So, change your gender, you're going to fix all these problems in your life, and, and it doesn't happen. Um, th- those demons, those demons, those, those, the mental health issues remain. And now you're disfigured. Yeah. N- now your body's different. Yeah. In fact, th- there are, th- and you said this, and I thought this was really fascinating because I've read some stories from individuals who've undergone these sex changes. And they're now adults. They, they, they did this as teenagers. They're now adults, and they're saying, why didn't somebody tell me this was a bad idea? Why did the adults in the room tell, tell me I need to do this? Why didn't somebody stop me? And, uh, and they're regretting it, and they, it's irreversible at that point. The, the biological side of it is. Uh, um, and so they're living in, in a world that is um, uh, very challenging in the sense that they can't go back now from what they've done. And you said, thank God for my parents because they didn't allow me to do that. Um, even though you went into that world... And, uh, and you lived in that world for a long time. Um, you were able to come out of it still physically whole in that sense, yeah. which was a blessing for you. Uh, anyway, I picked up on that when you were saying that. I thought that was really interesting, actually, because there are a lot of children who are victimized uh, because their brains aren't fully developed and they're being coached into these things. Well, don't you think, too, Chris, they, where do they turn? Right. Where did they turn for acceptance? Right. So much of the church in America is dead on arrival on this issue. And so if they want to turn to someone, certainly, and in the church, there are people, I'm sure, in our church struggling with these issues. I know there are because I read most of the questions that were sent to us. We've got to provide them with a safe environment where they feel like they can discuss it, that we're not going to condemn them, we're not going to put them down, but we also understand the train wreck that they're living. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. You know, I, I've coached and sat with students individually, and, uh, and I want to I say this because Enrique kind of hinted to this. This is something that's been, become really profound for me. Um, when I was at Diamond Valley Middle School, uh, which is just down the street from us here. Uh, my first year there, uh, we we completed almost 100 risk assessments. And when I say we, it was myself and, and our two counselors there. 
And, uh, and a risk assessment is simply a, a tool that the district has in place to assess the level of suicidal ideation and risk when a child is expressing self-harm behaviors or suicidal ideation. So when we're made aware of that, we bring a student in and we interview them. We conduct a clinical interview and we determine the level of risk. Um, oftentimes, students who are struggling with gender identity are ones that we're meeting with. Um, and there's other issues, but I, I want to say this about those students who are struggling with suicide because it's, there's such a high prevalence of students within the world of, of the LGBTQ community that are struggling with these thoughts of self-harm and of suicide. Um, I, I, I discovered a truth as I interviewed students, and I've interviewed hundreds over the years. Um, and by the way, just a side note, because uh, some of you live in, in the valley here, and, and uh, Hemet and San Ysidro has a bad reputation in, in some ways as being not a great community. Well, I worked two years in Temecula. The worst cases of suicidal ideation I experienced were in Temecula. Um, so some think the grass is greener on the other side. Well, you might want to think again, okay? So, um, but there's a component that I discovered when I met with students, and the component is simply this, that I never interviewed a child who wanted to kill themselves, whose father was present in the home, and whose father genuinely loved their mother. When both of those components were present in a child's life, I never met them. They never came to me. Those cases never came across my desk. And so when dad is present in the home, and we have to define what those things mean. We don't have time today to do all that. But when dad is present in the child's life, and when he genuinely loves their mother, and we have to define what that love looks like, um, those kids aren't the ones experiencing these mental health challenges. So it brings me back to a point that I think we're experiencing in America, and it kind of encompasses this whole issue with the LGBTQ movement and the sexual revolution, and that is that we're experiencing a tremendous breakdown within the home and the family. Uh, The family is under attack right now in America, and single-parent homes are everywhere. Um, in fact, there was a question, and maybe we could just jump into that, because I asked Enrique this question when we were sitting back in the, in the green room back, well, back in Bob's office. Um, there was a question that said, why, why, is, why is it that there seems to be more minority people identifying as transgender than, um, uh, than white, uh, white people? And I said to Enrique, I said, do you think that's true? Like, I don't know if that's true. Um, and Enrique said to me, he says, well, I don't know if it's true either, but if it is, maybe it's because there's far less fathers in minority homes uh, than there is um, in others. Um, and, and maybe that is true. Maybe the fatherlessness is what's contributing to the rise of all of these things. We can have a whole other discussion, by the way, on the rise of, of feminism um, and uh, we can talk about that too. That's another can. But of worms. but we'll we'll open that can another time because I wow. think we've got some good questions here. But 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 there is a there is a root that has branches off of it um, that is contributing to these challenges we're facing, and um, and that's one of the branches, by the way, because our culture now has completely devalued masculinity. Um, masculinity is, is under attack and is actually has been demonized in our culture. Right. 
And so um, because of that, boys, particularly boys, are growing up in a world where, okay, God gave me a penis and some testicles, but what does it mean to be a man? And uh, and we have have a culture right now that cannot define that well. Uh, They're defining it in all different kinds of ways. And so for boys, particularly boys growing up, they need a man in their life, a father who is demonstrating godly masculinity. Um, and again, we, we would need some time to flush all that out. But, um, yeah. Boy, that, that's huge because that, that opens up a whole spiritual issue within the church in America because fatherhood within the church in America is being defined by the culture, not by biblical principles of a heavenly father. And when men don't see that role, they don't understand that role, that brothers, it's incumbent on us. I think personally, uh, you guys may not agree with me, but that's okay. I, I think most of this issue lands on the dads. I really do. I honestly do. Because men are not being the men they should be. Either A, how they treat their wife, or B, how they treat their children, or C, how they live a spiritual life. And not necessarily in that order. If we can get a hold of manhood in the church, we can turn it around. And, and I mean, there's been so many studies in the secular world that if we look back at, like, the Roman Empire, like, all these empires that were huge at one point, when did they fall? When men became weak. Because that is the fortitude, that is the walls of a city, that is men are the ones who hold. So that's what the enemy is trying to do to feminize every man. And if you're a man, you should be, feel guilty for that. Yeah. But men are the first ones they call when there's a problem. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and the import, the, one of the things that I've noticed a lot of times, especially speaking through like sexual identity, what we, I want to encourage you and challenge you to change your language. Because what happens a lot of time, we keep praying for God, God, change their heart, God, that they are not gay anymore, God, that even to them, it's, hey, the Bible says this, but how about we start speaking and we start praying prophetically? And instead of, you know what? The Bible says that you shouldn't like boys and this and that. Yeah, the Bible says that. But you know what? God made you a man. God made you. Gonna be, you are a warrior. Speak life into your child. Don't bring them. You don't have to tell an alcoholic that they have an alcohol problem because they know. But what the alcoholic pro- doesn't know, it's like, you know what? I see that your life is going to be restored. I see a wife for your future. I would tell you before. When I came to God, I was like, God, I'm only going to live for you. I don't want to be married. I'm just not going to have sex the rest of my life. And, yeah, that's impossible. (laughs) Me, starting already that I experienced sex, and then, I mean, I can't. And even that was how, how good God was because I still, I was in church for about four years, and I was still sleeping around. Until God said, okay, it's time for you to tell your little secret to someone. I was like, mm. and I didn't. I'll tell you why. Because I still wanted to be sleeping around. Yeah. I did not want no one holding me accountable until I said, you know what? Enough. It's enough. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's been one month. It's been two months. Now it's been like over two years. 
But the enemy doesn't have that grip on me. But before, I was like, I, I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have... And even though in my heart it started to... I was like, I do want to have kids. But I couldn't say. I couldn't say that I wanted to be married. I couldn't say until one time during ministry time, I was praying. And I was like... And I was praying for something else. And the Holy Spirit, I remember so clear, he said, do you know why is the reason you cannot say out loud that you want to have kids and you want to have a wife? I was like, why? He said, because when you were 15, you made a vow and you said, I will never have kids and I will never have a wife because I'm gay. Spiritual again. Yeah, yeah. Until I broke that and now I'm like, I want to be married when I have kids. And prophetically, I know that God told me you're going to have a boy, you're going to have a girl, and it's been spoken by people that I've never told. But now I'm praying into that because that, by the Bible says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge and for the lack of vision. If I only want to be changed, I don't want to be gay, I don't want to be gay, I don't want to be gay. Okay, but open your eyes and look why you don't want that lifestyle that only brought you suffering? Now I want a family. I want to have a legacy. I don't want my children to go through the same thing that I did. Wow. You know, that, that speaks to the issue of, as parents, we've got to get the church in America, as parents, to start finding out what your children are watching. Because every time they open up that phone... They have a world of spiritual disease in terms of sexual issues. TikTok, you name it. You can go any place you want. I, I challenge you as parents. We've got to filter what our children are watching. And the kids are not going to like it. Yeah. Tough cookies. In the sentence. Let, let's, let's talk about that, Bob. How, you know, so the, the real question is, I think a lot of people here are interested... Um, and how, how do we address this issue with our children? How do we navigate these tough waters, right? Wow. Um, and so let, let's try to dive into that a little bit. Is that okay? Go for it. All right. Okay, awesome. So I, I want to say this first off, that, um, that if your child has a phone, they've seen pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the statistics say. Yeah. Guaranteed. Okay. So if they have a phone, they've seen pornography. It's just, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you can't be naive enough to think that's not true of your child. It's probably true. All right. Secondly, uh, they're saying now that if uh, for those who are graduating high school this year, so 18 and younger, one in three students right now who is in school currently is identifying or will identify as being LGBTQ. One in three. All right, and so part of that is is because our culture is celebrating it. It's become mainstream. It's the fad. It's the thing. And more than that, we're teaching it in our schools, and we're encouraging it. So even here in Hemet Unified, uh, because we live in California, our school district has adopted a a sex curriculum called Positive Prevention Plus. And Positive Prevention Plus, um, luckily for Hemet, doesn't start until a child gets into middle school. But that's not true for every district. Uh, Some are starting as early as first grade. And so um, within the curriculum at the middle school level, they teach children um, not just about sex biologically, you know, just the the birds and bees kind of a lesson, but they teach children how to masturbate, 
they talk about these issues, these things. They teach them how to pleasure themselves, how to pleasure others. They teach them all of these things are components of the sexual curriculum that's being taught in schools. Uh, you can opt out of the sex ed curriculum as a parent if you know about it or when it's going to be taught. Um, and sometimes that information is not clearly communicated. What parents don't understand is that California has passed a law that states that there is a component of the sex education curriculum that no parent is allowed to opt out of. And it's the portion of the, uh, the curriculum that discusses specifically transgenderism and the LGBTQ community. Um, and so there's a component of sex ed that is addressing those, those things specifically. It's addressing gender identity. All of those issues are being taught right now in our public schools. Some of you are saying, how in the world did this happen? Well, I'm going to tell you how it happened. It's pretty simple. We elected people into office who have these principles and ideas, okay? Turn his mic up. That's, yeah. that's, that's how it happened, okay? And many people have been asleep thinking that, oh, it's just fine. And particularly conservatives and Christians, um, and I'm one of them, by the way, have just said, you know what? When the election rolls around, I'll cast my vote and I'll do my, do my duty as an American. I move on. While the other side has been active and has been um, working tirelessly mm -hmm. to That's promote right. their agenda and to put it into the school system and to get it in place so that every student will be exposed and indoctrinated with these ideas and principles. So, number one, how do we fix this? We need to educate ourselves. Uh, if you want to read... By the way, this is troubling. If you want to read the sex education curriculum in Hemet Unified... Uh, you have to make an appointment at the district office. Uh, they will schedule an appointment for you. They will bring the curriculum out. You can sit in a designated area there, and you can read it. You are not allowed to photocopy it, take pictures of it, or remove it from the district office. And the district says they do that because of copyright reasons. Okay? I'm telling you right now, nobody in here is going to plagiarize the sex education curriculum at the district, all right? I don't know what they're worried about, but listen, it's, it's part of the agenda, all right? And there is an agenda, and it is being pushed. So parents need to educate themselves. You need to be aware of these things. You need to, be, you need to know that your children are being taught these things in school. You need to be having conversations with your teachers if you're in a public school. You need to be saying, when is this curriculum being taught? You need to be making those appointments at the district office. And bigger than that, furthermore, we need to vote in new people in our school board, okay? We, Say that again. We, we, need to, we need to change at the core those who are making these decisions. If you have conservative values and you have the ability and time to run for school board, you need to run, all right? Um, stop sitting on the sidelines and saying, you know, our world's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what to do. Well, get into the fight, all right? And, and let's change this thing all right. fundamentally, all right? Um, and so that's how we do it. Secondly, you need to start talking with your children about sex because other people are talking to them about sex, all right? And they need to be hearing it from you first. All right, there's a fantastic book. I brought it with me. By the way, I have no financial ties to the author of this book at all, all right? But I want to promote it because it's so good. The book is called Mama Bear Apologetics. It was given to me by 
uh, one of our elders in our church, in fact, and it's actually fantastic. It's written by a woman by the name of Hillary Morgan for, um, Ferrer. It's called The Guide to Sexuality. Um, there's a chapter in here um, that I thought was pretty witty. It says, are you sex smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> All right. And they'd be shocked. And uh, you're probably not. I'm just telling you right now, they're sex smarter than you. That's troubling, by the way. All right? And so we need to educate ourselves. We need to put the narrative out there to our children. And by the way, just as a side note, I really believe this is the most challenging time to be a parent. Mm -hmm. It is the most challenging time to be a child in America um, and in the world. You know, there's been difficult times in history, but right now, because of technology and the way that people are being um, inundated with information, particularly kids, um, it is a tremendously difficult time to grow up in this world and not be influenced negatively. And so, as parents, we need to take back the reins of controlling the information that our kids are seeing, and we need to start teaching them about sex. And another thing, and I, I told Bob this, I said, Bob... The church needs to start talking about sex more. Because, um, and, uh, and so maybe I'll do a whole series on sex at Bible Fellowship Church. I don't know. but I'll show up. But li- listen. Uh, listen. Is Susan it, smiling? It, yeah, right. It, li- listen, the reason I say that is because uh, the culture's hijacked sex and God invented sex. Uh, it, it's his idea, all right? Uh, I mean, he invented it. If you enjoy it, you can thank him for that, all right? But he set some specific guidelines on how we are to express, um, you know, our sexuality. And so um, he's the inventor of it. He set the rules in place, Mm -hmm. and we need to talk about it and talk about those rules. So if you're a parent, listen, I I look at things from a a positive perspective. I I think that there is a tremendous opportunity in in our world right now, particularly in America and in, in the place where we live, we have an opportunity to, um, to instigate some powerful and positive change in the lives of our children. If you have a child that's grown, and, and maybe Enrique can answer this question better than me. If you have a child that's grown that is steeped in the world of, of uh, homosexuality or of transgenderism or whatever, um, I, I think that there is still opportunity for you in their lives as a parent um, to make some positive inroads into their lives and to make some changes for them. And, I, and actually, I'm just going to let Enrique talk about that because uh, if I'm a parent, Enrique, and I have an adult child that's living in that world, what advice would you give them? Although I'm, like, taking notes of all the things I want to say. <laughs> wow, it's just... I think sometimes, like, we look, it's like, oh, like, it's only this road that we can talk, but it's, it's like a Pandora's box that you open and and the enemy is so crafty that he only wants equality. Okay, that didn't work. He only wants everybody to have rights. That law didn't pass. Love is love. Well, if you vote against love, you're a hater. So the enemy will twist the truth. The enemy will twist and will twist and will twist. And what, what was wrong, it, 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 the enemy wraps it in love and prettiness. And sadly, we are living in a time 
when you see so many, especially social media Christians, you know what? I love my transgender son and my transgender daughter because the Bible says that Jesus loved everyone. Yes, Jesus loved everyone. But you forgot the little part where it says why he was crucified. Was he crucified because he loved everyone? No, he was crucified because people didn't like what he was saying. Not because he was all love. Yeah, Jesus said with the sinners. He ate with the sinners. But what he said, go and sin no more. But we forget to that part. And we have to remember that as a, as a believer, the world will come and tell you what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says that Jesus is love. And the Bible says that you should not judge. Have you read the whole context? How you said what it says before, what it says after? Because we're here to judge the fruit of someone. If we don't judge, not condemned, if we don't judge the actions someone is doing, how are we going to tell them that what they're doing is going to lead them not to heaven? And I came to the conclusion that I'd rather someone hate me for speaking the truth, but at the end their life is going to be saved then be friends with someone right now and knowing that they're going to go to hell because I didn't say anything. Bottom line, that's the gospel right there. That's we have to tell the truth in love, but we have to love them. We, we, as parents, this is where, going back to your question, I can derail sometimes. I have to look at, I, I wrote it down. I was Stop this looking there. Saying. We don't have that much time. I know. <laughs> But as parents, sometimes we have to be okay. And we have right, to, right. to talk to God and say, God, I'm releasing my child to you. In the natural, you will have no authority whatsoever. You will tell your child until you turn purple and until you... But maybe you're going to lose that relationship with your child. But spiritually, you have all the authority. You have all of the authority. And again, not to pray, God change them. You know what? I declare that my child is going to be saved. That every encounter that he or she has with someone, you are going to reveal yourself to them. You are going to show them who you are. It took my parents 15 years for them to see who I was. Now I'm back in church. But before that, they had to let me go. Was it painful for them? Yes, it was. Because they saw that probably the first year, the second year, things were getting worse and things were getting worse and things were getting worse. After five years, which it was last year, I finally opened up to my parents of what was the, why was the reason that I hit rock bottom. And that's the ex version. So, so you don't get it today. <laughs> but... When I talked to them, my parents said, wow, all the things that we prayed to God that would not happen, everything happened to you. Everything that we pray, God protect them from this, God protect them from this, everything happened. But now I look back, I'm like, it needed to happen because it, that was the only way I was going to be able to open my eyes. Now, not to say that my parents' prayers didn't work. They worked because God protected me through those things. 
God kept me through those things. And we have to realize that there's a time for everything. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, which I love that verse, there's a time for everything, to cry, to laugh, to... And there was a time that my cousin said, it's like, you know what, Enrique, you shouldn't be talking about politics because I got really political in all my posts. You should be talking about your testimony and this and that. But we have to realize that there's a time about our testimony and there's another time to stand up for what we believe. And I told her, and this is an advice that I will give you right now. What we don't confront right now will kill us tomorrow. Because there's a community who says, love is love. According to who? Because if I say love is love, and you have a three-year-old girl, oh, I love your girl. And you have to accept that because love is love and not that makes you a hater. Oh, no, no, no. That's a three-year-old girl. Love is love. So it's not the love of the world. See how the enemy changes everything because God doesn't have love. God is love. But they want a fleshly love. So I think uh, we come to this point tonight. To say, you know, and this won't be the last time we do this. We're going to do this again. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But I really believe in my heart, Chris, that this is a time for an opening up. An honest, an honesty that, you know, that we can begin to communicate the love of God in a responsible way. Mm-hmm. And we can accept the gay community and the transgender community. And, by the way, a lot of people don't know that there's really two separate issues, the gay agenda and transgender issue. That's a whole other subject. But to begin to understand and, and let them know that they're, I've said from the pulpit, or my congregation can tell you, if you have gay, if you're gay, we've even had a, have a transvestite that comes in, a full-blown transvestite, once in a while will come in, knows that they are accepted. We love them, we care for them. We will not compromise the truth, but we will tell the truth in love. And it's actually, it, the whole social agenda right now is to make the Bible hate speech. Yeah. That's the bottom line. They've, they're working to boil the frog, change the Bible from love speech to hate speech. And so now everything the Bible is contradictory to is because the Bible's hating. Um, and more so than that, Bob, they're they're trying to cancel the Bible because it's no yeah. longer "quote unquote" gender sensitive, um, and that, that's a real movement right now. In yeah. fact, it's actually discussions taking place in Washington D.C. Believe it or not, um, to cancel the Bible because it's uh, it's too gender specific. It's no longer gender sensitive, and it's outdated. It's no longer relevant anymore. So we need to get rid of it. That's that's a movement that's happening right now. Yeah. Well, I think what's important here tonight is we're, we're coming to a finish of this first time together. You probably have so many questions. I have a list of your questions here. We have them. We've done everything we can to try to navigate through your questions. We didn't hit everyone, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure Enrique can stay for a few minutes, you know, not going to keep him for hours here. Enrique yeah. said he doesn't have any appointments until 5 p.m. tomorrow after tomorrow. 
and maybe I always said, depending where you take me to eat, that's the version that you're gonna get. So if you take me to McDonald's, you'll stay with a PG. Now, like we're gonna steakhouse, maybe the 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 R version. But I think right now we can we can say that our hearts are to say, how can we win this portion of our society? While they hate us, we will not hate them. And we know that if we lean on the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, that we can love them better than they can hate us. And that's the bottom line. Love them with a love that's going to contradict their hatred. And, and, and something that I've learned through this walk is that before you get into an argument, into a conversation with whoever it is, especially from that community, me coming from that community, the most hate that I've gotten is from them. Mm -hmm. And everything that they tell me, I laugh because I was like, wow, that's exactly what I used to say. That's every verse, it's exactly what... But there's so much pain. They're in so much pain that I just, I just want to be loved. Hmm. But I've been, they have been hurt by the church. Say that again. Because that's who I grew up. I grew up that I was so hurt by the church that I wanted nothing to do with God. But when people come in, we are not assigned to be Holy Spirit Junior. We are not assigned to change them. Sometimes we want to take a gay person, a transgender, a transsexual, and we want to take them our project, tell them the Bible. No, just love them as they are. God, there is, God you say, they will know you by the way you love each other. And a lot of times we're like, well, that person is still having sex and they're in the church. Yeah, but they're in the church. When six months ago, they were not in the church. It's a process. The only thing we need to do is love them and speak the truth. Just like Pastor Bob says, I'm not going to back up from what the Bible says. Now, if we are in a church that does not offend you, you're in the wrong church. Because now there's things that I was like, mm, and it has nothing to do with sex. Mm -hmm. But God healed that part. Now we're going to get deeper. Now we're going to get deeper. We have to love everyone as they are, but we cannot live them in the same place. Now, you have, to, you have to know who you are in God as a believer. That's the bottom line. Because, and maybe not just the gay community, but I'm talking because that's been the more community that I've been the most attacked. They have told me the most vile things. You are not going to be a good father. You are living a lie. You're people who I used to do life with. They have called me all kinds of names. Why? Because now there's a way out. And they see that there's a way out. But I have become so used to my dysfunction that I don't want to let it go. So since the people who don't know God will attack you, and if you allow that, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not loving my son the way that I should because I'm not using the pronouns. 
understand that as soon if you have a child who says, I want you to call me she, he, if they're the opposite sex or they, them, you're actually giving a legal right to the demonic. That's what you're doing. You're giving a legal right. So this is where I say you have to let your... I'm not going to call you she. I'm not going to call you he if you're the opposite sex. I'd rather you think that I hate you, but I cannot go against the word of God because we cannot say, I call my, my child a them in the natural and then go into your prayer, prayer closet and pray for them because the Bible says, what you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. What you lose on heaven will be loose on earth. So there has to be a congruency of, I'm going to have to let you go. And probably you think that I hate you, but it's that I love you that I have to let you go. And I cannot agree with the spiritual life that you're choosing to, you're choosing to live. You can't because I know that we're, that's going to lead you. I know, and you have to let them go in the natural, but in the spiritual, that's when you hold to the promises of God. That's, if, if that child is in your life, if God gifted you with a boy or a girl, it's because of a reason. Because God knew that you were the only person that was going to be able to fight for that child. Not no one else. And know that what you, not only what your child is going through, what you're going through right now as a parent, God will use for someone else. Yeah. Because now my parents are able to talk about what God has done in my life and what has done in their life to someone that has a child that is barely going to walk that walk right now. And I think bottom line is we accept people in our churches that are adulterers, that are sleeping around, they're, they're, they're drug addicts. You know, we say, come, come. You have a drug problem, Come. We can help you. We'll help you get free. We'll, we'll, we'll break that bondage in your life. Or, you know, you, you, you're sleeping around and, you know, you, you may be heterosexual, but you're sleeping around and you're sleeping with everybody in the world. And, you, you know, you, you're going through all the little issues. And, come on and come on, I'm going to help you. But we put a hand out to the gender confused people. That day's over. It starts right here with us. Amen. Come on, give me one more good praise. Amen. Jesus is worthy. I want to say, you know, they're going to stay for a few minutes here, and if you have any questions on that. And and I so appreciate you coming out. Uh, We have no clue. Um, I don't know if uh, YouTube dumped us (laughs) because of what we're talking about. We know Facebook. uh, I don't know if we went Facebook tonight or not, did we? No, we didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they would have cut us off at the opening prayer. <laughs> so, um, but in the process, get the word out. We'll keep you informed. I'll let Chris uh, say what he wants to say as we close. And then, uh, then we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that this is the beginning of something great, an act of love in an area of our society that has never seen the kind of love it's about to see. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I just want to say that um, we're living in some tremendously exciting days. Um, you know, many, and I, I repeat this with our people regularly, and I didn't coin this phrase, someone else did, but when we look around our world, we think, boy, things are falling apart, but they're not falling apart. Things are falling into place. 
Um, and so we're watching God's plan play out on the world stage, and it's an exciting time to be alive. I want to say this, too. It's an exciting time to be living in Riverside County, all right? Um, Enrique, you need to move up here, man, because we're living in... The, people are calling this the Texas of California. It I don't is. know if you guys have heard it that. Is. But, it is. But, uh, but uh, God is building, from my perspective, a spiritual firewall around this place. Um, and by the way, there's still some tremendous challenges. Um, Palm Springs, the city of Palm Springs just voted to provide universal basic income for anyone that identifies as LGBTQ. It doesn't matter what your income is. They're going to give you $900 a month. Um, and so we, we've still got some battles to fight, you guys. Um, but we're going to fight them the right way. Um, and we're going to love people and bring them into God's kingdom all along the way. And so, uh, yeah, super exciting times. So, Okay. Yes. It, it is on YouTube? Well, what do you know? Hallelujah. Spread that puppy everywhere. How many of you, how many of you believe? I, as a matter of fact, I, I've told my staff, I've told Chris, um, I don't believe, we can't be the only people doing this. Somebody else somewhere in America is doing this. Because I believe God led us to do this, and he doesn't do it in just one place. You watch. Little fires are going to start breaking out. And it's going to be the fire of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and God's going to do it, okay? All right. If I may, just to close, I just want to add something that we see a lot of people coming in and out, right, of church, new people coming in. And the way sometimes we react to someone, let's say a a guy with open comes in, really flamboyant, the way we welcome them into church, we don't know if that's a prayer answer of a mother. Maybe it took 15 years, just like me, for that gentleman to walk in. And if we do a, mm, we just block a spiritual blockage, and that child will never want to come back to church. So we are responsible for the faith that we have. It doesn't mean that we accept them, because that's what the world would tell you. If you love me, you have to accept me. I love you. I don't accept your lifestyle, but I love you. There you go. And I love you. I'll show you that I love you. Not with words, not with. So every person, we have to welcome them as if they are our own prayer. Answer. Amen. All right. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to speak in your behalf. Give us the grace, Holy Spirit, to do what needs to be done. Give us the ability to live uh, the, the kind of love we can't live in the natural. It's a supernatural love. We confess we can't do it, but we confess you can through us. Teach us in Jesus' name. And everybody said. God bless you. We love you. We'll let you know when it happens again. Thank you for joining us today at DP City Church. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. And we are believing God will do big things in your life this year. You can contact us at info.dpcitychurch.com. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can visit www.dpcitychurch.com. Thanks again. God bless.